Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bostig, and I'm going to be your host. Today's guest is definitely a kindred spirit of mine, a guy by the name of Screaming Chewy, who you may already know from the Screaming Chewy show. Let's get started. On tap today, we have Screaming Chewy from the Screaming Chewy show. How are you doing today, buddy? Pretty good, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to do it. I am looking forward to this because we were talking a little earlier about our respective shows and we have a lot of the same ideas, but we have very different approaches and very different types of guests. And I think you and I are really all about what podcasting is. So I'd love to swap some notes with you, buddy. Yeah, for sure, man. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm listening to your show, The Screaming Chewy Show, and you've got a lot of the same thing we have here with long form conversations trying to pick people's brains, get into, you know, what's it like to be creative? And and then things like, what's the world mean in some cases? What does creativity do for us? Why does it make us feel good? Very true. You know, uh, everybody has different creative outlets and everybody has different stories. I love hearing people's stories. And that's really what it's all about is that people don't realize how much is wrapped up in the stories. Humans are storytelling people. That's how we connect. So whether that's this giant multi-billion dollar movie or just you and I sharing something over a cup of coffee, that's that the story is everything. Exactly. You know, I've, I've interviewed people, you know, like authors, um, you know, this lady, she survived an airplane crash and she saw her life, you know, flash before her eyes, you know, even celebrities, you, you have this idea of how they're go- going to be. And when you interv- interview them, they're just so different from when, you thought how they were going to be, but that's mm-hmm. really them. It's not the persona you see on television. And then, you know, also I, I like hearing their stories because, you know, some of them will be like, well, how'd you get into show business? And some were like, you know, I worked my, I worked hard. I, you know, did this and this and that to get to into film. And some were like, oh, I just got lucky, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that's part of it is just how did it happen? What word, what was their journey? And that's, everybody like you have people who aren't super famous on just like i do and you want to see their journey too because that's it's we're all on the same boat somewhere or other Mm -hmm. and it's just you know it's i just love hearing people's stories (laughs) yeah i mean it's because that's when you start to connect with people and you realize hey we're all trying to do the same thing we're all trying to tell stories exactly and you know just like listening to your show um you know uh I watched Star Trek, you know, growing up Mm -hmm. um, and man, hearing, you know, you interview these people from these shows. uh, That's amazing. It it is. And that's something that kind of came about because I was such a Trekkie. I went to conventions and not just about Trek, but about comics and Star Wars and stuff. And I realized that there's this whole other story that's not being told, not of aliens and, and Starfleet officers, but just of people trying to make a living entertaining us i mean we're sitting there we're having a great time listening to the music or watching the show or going to the movie and that's that's the big part of the story but it's not the end yeah and one thing i always liked about star trek is uh how the guys they sleep with women from different races Mm -hmm. (laughs) from alien races and stuff and i'm like that's how you defeat racism Mm-hmm. you sleep with other races no i'm just kidding <laughs> well you're not totally wrong there man i mean we had such and we still have such a problem with racism in our culture that's I'm, that's so obvious i don't have to say it 
But the places where we've really made progress are where people say, let's bring our families together. I mean, I, I get to the point where you say, I, I like you so much. I want you as part of my family. I want to make a new family with you. That's, that's the key to beating racism. It really is. And, and when you can say that, then having somebody from another race being your neighbor or going to your school, small potatoes, because you let that person into your family. Very true. That's deep right there, bro. <laughs> well, I, I, family means a lot to me. So I do a lot of thinking on the topic. Nice, man. And um, so have you always been a Trekkie fan? I mean, a Star Trek fan or a Trekkie? Uh, since I was about six years old. I can remember getting into it when I, it was on Nickelodeon when I was really, really small. And it's just been an uphill climb ever since. Damn, man. You know, I, I just used to watch it because I was on television and I didn't have cable. <laughs> well, hey, and that's cool. It, it, that, that's one thing I like to throw at people is that, you know, they're talking about the streaming now and how everything's different. And I'm like, the only reason Star Trek survived at all was because of syndication, which was this, the, the streaming of its day. It was the way of getting stuff on the cheap for people that didn't have cable. Did, if it had to compete on the networks, it didn't, it didn't do so well. Oh, well, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. The original series fought to get its third season and was canceled. Oh, damn. Yep. The next generation was syndicated, did phenomenally well. DS9 syndicated, did phenomenally well. Voyager, they put it back on the network. It was a struggle again. You can see that when they try to put it on the regular TV, it's but it finds its audience when those people can say, let me see it when I can see it. For sure. Um, it's all about tactics, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just the that that's part of what we're doing these days is we're giving people the content when they want it, where they want it. The idea of you know the corporation's gonna say, here's when you watch it, and then we're gonna put our soap commercials in the middle of it. That that shit's gone. That's true, huh? Yeah. yeah. And you, you, you as a podcaster know this best is like you got to sneak into people when they're at the gym or on the road or making breakfast. That's that's your niche to talk to people. And then and like you said, you, we also as well as podcasters, we have to find our audience as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it's I sometimes feel like I'm, I'm some sort of politician in the, the 1800s trying to rub up the people on the street saying, hey, would you give me a listen here? It's like, hear it's, you, hear you. Exactly, man. It's <laughs> like you're you're doing this really super high tech modern thing and your methods have to be so old school. People have forgotten about them. Yeah. And, and it's hard marketing. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work. Mm hmm. I almost want to like get stickers and like put them in bathroom stalls or something. I've seen it happen. <laughs> you, you go to the right bathrooms, you will find lots of podcasts. You'll find a couple of phone numbers too, but you know, you take what you want to take. Yeah. And don't you think it's crazy, man? All the technology in Star Trek we've seen growing up, it's now pretty much real, you know, like smartwatches and, uh, you know, Zoom meetings and yeah, you know, a little computer in your hand. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and I'm amazed at how fast it got here compared to how fast it would would have taken on the show. I mean, they had stuff in you know the 23rd century that we just got last year. That's true. How long do you think it'll be till we get uh, like laser weapons? They've already done some experiments with it. I mean, it's not. I don't think it'll be here tomorrow, but that's not too far off. 
like a little laser pistol, just zap them. The idea is just amazing to me because I just, just like to take some sort of a little plasma gun out on the field, shoot some cans. Hey, imagine how much ammo you save. You know, you don't have to reload or nothing. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever ammo it is, I mean, it's it's got to be some sort of ah man, what with some sort of plasma or something that would be really high energy. So if that thing breaks, you got bigger problems than your gun. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, so man. On your show, what, what kind of guests do you really get into? What, what what have been your favorite guests in the recent pasts? Um, you know, that's that's a good question. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I've had like, you know, authors, motivational speakers, entrepreneurs, and you know, some celebrities. I gotta say, one that really stuck with me was uh Larry Hankin. He was he was a trip, man. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he was a Cause he always seemed like a, like a hippie guy, you know, like a stoner type, but he was really intelligent. He had some crazy stories, man. Like he had a gun put to his head. Um, this drug dealer, uh, he saw Larry Hankin, he put a gun to his head. He's like, you're a fucking cop. Well, my bad. Can I, can I? <laughs> you can say whatever you want in this show. That's totally fine, okay. man. He's like, you look familiar. You're a fucking cop. And he's like, no, ma'am, I'm not, I'm sorry. And the guy was going to shoot him. And I guess his friend stopped him. And he's like, he looks familiar because he's been on television. He's an actor. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, that's right, huh? <laughs> that is, that is wild, man. I would like to reach out to that dude, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen him in a bunch of things, too. And he's one of those people that you know his face. Like whoever was in that story recognized his face because he's got a very recognizable face and he looks like some, the dopey guy. Like I know him as Mr. Heckles from Friends, mostly. Mm -hmm. Seen him in a bunch of things, but that, that's where I click with him. He just, he gets that persona becomes what you call a character actor. Yeah. Which, yep. depending on what the actor's motivation is, that can be good or bad for them. That's true. He's, uh, you know, like I'll be like, I'll tell people about Larry Hankin and they don't recognize the name, but I'm like, Google him. Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a couple of people like that on here where people are like, I don't know who that is. And the second that first frame comes up, it's like, him? Yeah, you know, and it's pretty cool just seeing the look on their face like, oh, what? <laughs> and, and see, that's the kind of person I really, really like to talk to. Not the people who are really fresh today, but you don't really know where they're going to land in the grand scheme of things. I would rather talk to somebody who's might've done their best work 20 or 30 years ago, but that's been with us ever since. You can make something that stands the test of time. You have my attention. That's true. You know, I mean, people that were famous, like before we were born or <laughs> when we were kids, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of those cases where, you know, talent has no age. You, you, you do something like that. Like, God, Sean Connery had women crazy about him until, you know, he went into the ground. It didn't matter. And it wasn't just his being good looking. I mean, he was good looking. But they were just amazed at his persona and his idealism and, and just, just the presence he had was so attractive to people. He was like a man's man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's just one example among many yeah and um you know it, it's a trip and um how many movies they can be in like such a short time or how many shows like they they put in so much work sometimes 
Mm -hmm. And it's amazing just, you know, because he was James Bond. And nowadays we have a James Bond movie come out every three years. We think we're on a roll. They were putting them out every year back in his day. I mean, he would wrap up one and he would get the script for the next right in his hands right away. Man, that's that's good money, though. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, and he was people have told me that if you're a stunt double, the job to have like you have made it if you're a stunt double for James Bond. Damn. Like that, that is the dream gig. Imagine the stunt store. You got to like jump from car to car or rooftops or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember, I forget which movie it was off the top of my head. It was, but it was like he, somebody had to jump out of a plane and without a parachute, just kind of sk skid to the other plane. I forget which movie it was, but it was like, that was one of the best stunts they'd ever done. That's wild. Oh yeah. my God. But you know, it's risky. Like, uh, you know, uh, Mila Yankovic from the Resident Evil movies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know if you heard of her stunt double got seriously injured. Like she lost the arm and she got oh. seriously, seriously burnt. Uh, she like almost died. Yeah. I did not hear that. Yeah. She got messed up. I think it was during the Resident Evil movies. Wow. And think of that. She goes through that. I'm assuming they get the shot. I'm, I'm just going to assume that. I don't know that for fact. And then you, nobody even knows her name. That's true. Huh? <laughs> that's the life of a stunt up was that if you do your job right nobody knows you exist that's true wow like an assassin uh-huh <laughs> which would be awesome if you were a stunt double for an assassin that would be <laughs> being the assassin's creed movie yeah one of the, yeah uh, my, my roommate in college was a big fan of the movie the professional i think he had like two or three different versions of it and it's like the it was man that was a badass movie that blew mm -hmm. me away with yeah. um oh she was little uh what's her name i forgot her name yeah the actress yeah i'm not placing it i've only seen it a couple of times over his shoulder but yeah so when you're looking for a guest for your show i mean you you have a huge spectrum of guests just like i i do here so i, I know you don't focus on one but is there a certain type of person that you gravitate toward um, no, pretty much like if they catch my interest, you know, I've, I've had people that, you know, have music and they're trying to get it out there and I like their music. I'm like, Hey, you want to be on my show? Um, sometimes I've had my friends on, I have a uh, segments episodes called Friday night funkery and it's not very serious. Those are just episodes where me and my friends are just drinking, just, you know, bullshitting, but mm -hmm. Uh, as for like guests to interview, they get it, it could get pretty serious, just depends who I'm talking to and what we're talking about. But as for guests, like just you know, if I like you, I'd like to have you on my show pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and see, that's that's where you and I are, are seeing eye to eye there. I, I try not to make that distinction of you know, you're an actor, you're an author, you're just somebody I know from the scene. It's like if you've got something that I think the world should see, I want to show it to them. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because, you know, there's some guests where, like, they seem like they were going to be, like, boring or not, or, you know, and they're, like, wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of these people are just aching to show their real self to the world if you give them a chance. That's true, and I think since Corona, you know, a lot of people, maybe they want to interact with more people and mm -hmm. just have conversations, you know? Yeah, and it's... Corona's doing some weird things to us. That's that's an understatement. I get you, but 
some of the better things I think it's doing is encouraging us to say, hey, what kind of contact do we really want to have with people? Instead of having all the, the bullshit, small talk, the, the, the conversations that don't mean anything, we're like, man, I would really like to have you over for, with a beer and watch a football game. Could we just get together and talk about what's going on with you and, and, you know, what projects you're working on? Yeah. Get to know each other. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause we can't now, or at least it's damn hard. We have to do stuff like this that we're doing right now. And that's, we've not been in that position for a while. You took me back, bro. Getting together, have a beer and watch a football game. Mm -hmm. Can't remember the last time I did that. (laughs) Well, I, in my opinion, there was no football this last year. I know that they played some games and the Super Bowl's coming up and all that, but yeah, that wasn't really football. Yeah, man. I mean, what do you think of the how do you think the Super Bowl is going to be this year? Yeah. They're gonna to try to make it as normal as possible, I'm sure, but uh, the stadium itself will probably be paper uh, you know, thinned out and they'll put twice as much money in the commercials. Yeah, some companies are backing out of the commercials, like Budweiser. Wow. Uh, they they pulled out, and I think I forgot who another big company they pulled out of the commercials as well. It's just not worth the effort. Yeah, they probably think they're going to lose money on it, you know? Yeah. I mean, at this point, sitting down and watching stuff on TV is what we're doing. <laughs> That's true. Like the streaming services, mm-hmm. I believe HBO Max wants to sue cinema, the the, the theaters, because, um, you know, Wonder Woman, instead of straight out coming to theaters first, it came out to streaming and theaters on the same day. So HBO Max was pretty bad, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I to me, that's just a weird argument because the only reason HBO Max got a shot at it was because of the situation. You know, that kind of movie was going to go to the theater. That was always the plan. It was just weird that they even got a chance to do it with theaters that were still open. Oh, you know what? I have it wrong, my bad. Actually, I think the cinema is suing HBO Max. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think I'm having trouble remembering the details of that, too. But yeah, they were like, well, you know, we want that. Shit. Yeah, but. I'm sorry. It is what it is. We're, we're in this weird situation. Nobody asked for it. Everybody's just trying to make the money they can with this movie. That's probably going to lose money no matter what they do, at least in the short term. Mm -hmm. And do you think it's going to change the future of cinema, bro? Do you think now it's going to like stay that way? You know what I mean? Instead of going to the theaters, now you just watch it at home the day it comes out, you know, I think it's going to be easier for things to be that way. Uh, I think once this is all behind us, theaters are going to make a comeback. But the longer this goes on, the longer that comeback is going to take and the less whole it's going to be. And I mean, here's my reason why. There's always going to be a need for like you to take a girl out on a date, go to a movie, get out of the house for a bit. And theaters have been that for so long. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to go away entirely. But I think there's going to be a lot of movies where they're saying we can find our audience doubling up with streaming. And, you know, if we get a couple people in the seats during the weekend, that's cool too. I think, I think companies that make movies are going to start saying we have options instead of the standard model. You know, you have a good point, bro. Like King Kong versus um, Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Like that's gotta be seen in theaters, man. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I said, there's, there's movies where you want to do that. You, there's times when 
you're, you're going to have a, a group of people together and you'd rather go to a theater because then when you're done, nobody's got to clean up. Hey, for real, huh? That's yeah. true. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not the one picking the nachos out of the sink. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I think that they're going to, there's going to be movies where it's going to be easier to put it in streaming and that's going to be okay too. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of weird how everything's just changed so fast just because of 2020, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's changed so many things, you know, even just like how we're talking about cinema and, you know, human interaction itself. I think a lot of it was waiting, but there were so many forces keeping things the way they were. Like, it's just amazing how many, like, things have changed fast, but, like, getting your groceries delivered. That's something people wanted for a long time. And Walmart and the other companies, like, well, we can't do that. There's, it's no cost-effective way to do it. You, there's, we'd have to hire a million people. We, we could never make it work. And suddenly they needed to make it work, and it happened, like, overnight. You're right. But yeah, like, you, you, you were bullshitting this. That was possible the whole time. You just didn't want to go out of your comfort zone. That's true. It just wasn't as profitable, huh? Mm-hmm. And it's like just there were a lot of people who were. I mean, you say, do you go to the movie or do you wait for video? That used to be what you said, and now it's like, do you go to the theater or do you go streaming? Because it was always possible. People always wanted to do it. They just suddenly had the option. That's true, and you know, people were saying, you know, a lot of people saying, well, the movie theater, how they handle their popcorn is not really COVID safe. Because they just basically scoop it out of that machine. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I've seen the Harkins Theater popcorn in stores. You know, it's in a bag now. So mm-hmm. I'm like, that. imagine they'll do that now. You just go to the movies and they hand you a bag of popcorn already pre-sealed and all that. Not a bad way to go, honestly. Uh, I, I've always, I, I got a little spoiled. The theater that was near me didn't just do popcorn and snacks. They actually would do one of the theaters to give you a full meal. So I'd be like recliners and stuff. Yeah. Not, they do have some of those. It's not, not the whole theater isn't like that, but there are some like that too. So I'd be like, uh, I'd pull up a menu. I pick out my, usually a burger or a pizza, a couple cocktails. And that, that was kind of where my head went. The popcorn, my kid likes that. For her, it's like getting her the popcorn is the thing. (laughs) <laughs> goes crazy for a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah over here they have the roadhouse cinemas and it's like that they have the recliners they mm-hmm. have a menu you could order food they even have like beer and stuff mm-hmm. the the alamo draft house is the first one i saw that, that that was started in texas and most of them are still down there it was the closest to heaven i'd ever been i love that place <laughs> you're like i don't want to leave i <laughs> know because I'd never seen anything like that before. I first made my first trip in 2008, I think it was. And then they finally had something similar up my way. So I didn't have to go all the way up that way. But it's like, that was back when like you were still talking about the proverbial sticky floors and scratched print and the people who had left garbage on the seat behind you. And then you get to the draft house and it's like, you're, you're in a palace while get treated like royalty (laughs) for the record i i am not being sponsored by the alamo draft house just just have to throw that out there just really like it place (laughs) but hey if they like to sponsor you call me (laughs) hey right i mean who knows right if uh, you know 
cinemas make a big comeback, they're going to need some marketing. Mm-hmm. That's been one of their strong points for sure. And what I loved about it was when you went there, it wasn't like you were just watching the movie. They would have shorts playing before you actually got there. They had special features if you wanted to stay in. And uh, for some movies, they would do what they call a quote along or a sing along. If it was an old movie, they were bringing back. Like, that's just damn cool. Whoa. I never heard of that. Oh, yeah. It was great. There was, are you a fan of MST3K? Uh, MS3, I, I don't know what that is. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, dude, that's old school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. it is it is awesome stuff. There was a comedy team down that way where they would actually sit on a stage in front of the, the, the studio and they would riff along with it and they would do skits along with it too. It was, it was and because it was after 11 at night, the skits got a little adult oriented nice which, which was something you didn't normally get watching comedy central damn that's wild that's it, it was and i think they're still active they're, they're called the master pancake cinema or master pancake theater shout out guys i'm a longtime fan you know there's a small theater here i think it's called the lodge and they'll play movies like um uh, the Rocky Picture Horror Show. Mm-hmm. They'll play stuff like that, but they do the same thing. Like they'll have people go on stage and like reenact certain scenes. They'll have like guys cross dress, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just just wild stuff like that. And and it's also you know at night too, so you know it's for adults. <laughs> okay, got to tell you this: the only time I've been at a theater when that was playing was I was in high school. And I went to a midnight showing of The Empire Strikes Back when they re-released it in the 90s. Nice. Coincidentally, they also had the Rocky Horror Picture Show playing in a different theater. So we get there and, and there's a security guard there frisking everybody going down to Rocky Horror just because they were suspicious for some reason. And we get there and they're like, oh, you're going to Star Wars? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wow. Like, I've been profiled per se, but I'm profiled because I'm a Star Wars fan. I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know if to be offended or not. Right. (laughs) Wow. So they thought maybe people were bringing like weapons or something? That that was the gist of it. Yeah, they were thinking that that because it was that kind of crowd, whatever that kind of crowd was, that they're potential for trouble was escalated <laughs> and of course wild. the security guard doing the frisking is like a million years old so it's like what the fuck are you going to do if shit goes down <laughs> that's a good question eh? I, I really want to see the newspaper clipping the next day where grandpa is beating the guy in the fishnet stockings <laughs> he's getting vietnam fa- flashbacks <laughs> god dang kids <laughs> I told you to keep that music down. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's that. That's it, it, now. To be fair, I, I am not against the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's just it wasn't usually my thing. But I respect the community it builds. I respect the creativity that goes into those kinds of events. 
yeah, it's almost got its own cult following. Okay. It's it's literally the cult. I mean, it's the the cult movie definition. Uh, just not mine per se. I mean, I'll watch it. I like it well enough, but uh, yeah, I'm me. the same way. <laughs> you know, I mean, now if you've got Manos, the Hands of Fate, or something there, I'm like, I'll be there all day long. Right. <laughs> okay, so but what was your cult? What's your guilty pleasure when it comes to movies? Um, I I love horror movies, especially the old ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, movies like you know, of course, there's the Friday the Thirteenth, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, but you know, like that movie, uh, The Thing. Um, I love that movie. I think even to this day, the the special effects still hold up. You know, no CGI, and it's just all prosthetics, and it's really gross and gory. <laughs> I like horror. I don't like horror, I should say, at least not the super modern horror. Um, I do like those vintage ones like that, like you mentioned, the first generation of movies. Uh, I, and especially like the old Universal Studios monster flicks, the creature, the weak flicks. Oh, yeah. But um, the original Halloween, how do you feel about that? Oh, man, I love it. Okay. That group I told you about before, the Master Pancake Theater guys. <clears throat> I don't want to give away one of their bits, but it's it, you will appreciate this. And if you never get a chance to see it, you, you have to know this exists. But the scene where the two kids are in the house and they're fooling around, that's one solid scene. There's no cut, okay? So we know that that all, that all takes place in real time, right? Mm-hmm. The guys on stage want to say, okay, now I'm going to show you how this dude has to be a two-pump chump. <laughs> And right when they go upstairs, the dude who's dressed very similar to the character in the movie starts taking off his clothes as fast as he can. It's like somebody's, he is stripping down. He jumps down, mimes two pumps, gets back up, throws his clothes on. And just as he's doing it, the two characters walk back down. (laughs) You know, there was no way he had time to do anything else but just those two pumps. He's a two-hitter quitter. <laughs> Dad, that's crazy. I like how they do that. Uh-huh. And it's like, you can't argue with that because they literally did it on stage. That's, you know, they're almost breaking it down to a science right there. It is. <laughs> and that's a, that kind of stuff, when you can have a movie like that, that is so old, and if you've seen it once, you've seen it 10 times. And you can bring something new to it. That's what fandom's all about. That's true, huh? It's a totally new perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you, you were talking about the, the horror movies you like, like Friday the 13th. What what gets you into Friday the 13th? What's your what, what draws you in on that movie? I think, you know, the scary part is that you can't kill them. And eventually you're going to have to go to sleep. So I thought that was the scariest part is that you're going to have to encounter Freddy if he's after you, no matter what. You could drink so much coffee, but you're going to crash eventually. And, um, you know, after the first two movies, he was pretty serious. But after the third one, Freddy got a little funnier. You know, he would make those 80s cheesy jokes, mm-hmm. you know, like this chick, you know, she has she knows karate and Freddy gets his little blades out, you know, his glove, and he's like, Kung Fu, this bitch, you know, like, just <laughs> cheesy stuff like that. 
that's that's the arc of almost all those multi movie horror genres it's like they the first two are serious and the third is like the transition point and then after that they just become ridiculous <laughs> yep. which everybody i've ever talked to was like yeah that's true but it's just the fun of it yeah it's just you know it's cheesy but i like it well you know you're not going to the movies to get pissed off you might as well have some fun and after three four movies it's hard to just keep it fresh by getting grisly all the time yeah because it, you know it's the same story basically is just him trying to kill teenagers in their dreams you know just mm-hmm. in a different way and that's hey my dreams are weird in general, so I can't see why you couldn't make that funny. That's true. Huh? I have, you know, I, I couldn't remember the dream, but I have woken up laughing one time. Yeah. And, and, and I've woken up terrified, woken up happy. I mean, just dreams can do that. Yeah. Uh, when I was little, I dreamt Chucky killed my family and he was after me. I woke up crying. <laughs> There should be a word for that feeling that like five minutes after you wake up when you're not sure what was the dream and what wasn't and you're trying to piece it all together. Oh, dude, I hate it. As soon as you wake up, you start forgetting it. You're like, no, no. Well, it's it's like you forget the good ones and then the bad ones. You're like convinced everything is real until you can say no. It's it's and there's been some really weird ones where I dreamt I was back in college, which I know everybody dreams at some point. But I'm, I'm cognizant enough to know that I shouldn't be there. So I'm trying to figure out exactly what, and I have to figure out where is, what's wrong here? <laughs> There's it, something out of place. <laughs> exactly. And it's so obvious when you're awake, but when you're asleep, it's like you, you're missing some crucial piece of information. You know, I, it's funny dreams, man, how in the dream, you know, something's off, but you can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's almost normal. But then you wake up and you're like, what the hell? My car was a banana. You know, <laughs> just something dumb, but it made sense in the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I can totally get behind a horror character having access to that world and being able to play with it. And, you know, there's many celebrities that got big coming from there. You're like Johnny Depp was in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third one, I think it was uh, Lawrence Fishburg, the guy from The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Who was also the weird cowboy in Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> hey, Lawrence, I know you're big, but that's where I'm going to remember you from, all right? You can punch me in the face if you want. <laughs> it's like that embarrassing thing you don't want to talk about. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, probably got to start wrapping this up soon and I hate to do that but another thing you've got to know because if I don't get a chance to talk to you again you've got to hear this there was a con I was at pretty sure it's it's been a while but uh, there was a bit of a party going on afterward lasted kind of late and I'm just imagining what's going on in this because I didn't see it personally. I heard the story from the people involved the next day. And the, the part the, goes late and they have to call the front desk to get these people to settle down. The guy at the front desk who I'm picturing is like 17, 18, you know, whatever. Just the, the, the squeaky kid from The Simpsons goes up, knocks on the door, <laughs> asks people to calm down. Guess who answers the door? Kane Hodder. 
Kane Hodder. Oh my God, bro. What? Yeah, you you knock on the door to tell people to calm down, and Jason motherfucking Voorhees answers it. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. How does that conversation go, man? Just look up our shotgun. <laughs> As I understand it, he was very nice and understanding and just said, you know, it's cool, it's cool. But the moment when that door opens, I just want a picture of that. <laughs> right? Imagine he's all pissed off knocking. As soon as the door opens, <laughs> his attitude changes. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, man, I would shit, bro. <laughs> Who wouldn't, right? Okay, Chewy, uh, this is great. I'm loving this. Um, I want to make sure everybody can follow your show, uh, subscribe to it. That'd be great. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes on my website. Thanks, man. Where else can people follow you and keep track of your stuff? Um, so I got a YouTube, although I'm, I'm very behind on my episodes on YouTube, but um, I'm also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much all the major platforms, anywhere you can listen to your favorite podcast. Uh, I release multiple episodes every week. And um, I'd like to thank you for having me on, man. Hey, it's been a true pleasure. I, I would definitely like to have you back anytime because uh, I think for we sure. have a lot more to go over. So let, let, let's put a pin in this and come back to it. For sure, man. I had a blast. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon, bud. Later. I would like to thank Screaming Chewy for being my guest today. And I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, where we talk about something that grows the show, I just want to remind you all of my release schedule, because the best way to keep tabs on the show is to know when a new episode is coming out. I release new episodes with new guests every Thursday. That's clearly a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference, because I never could get the hang of Thursdays. Truth be told, those Thursday episodes actually come out late Wednesday night, This is because of time zones and because I want to give the chance for RSS feeds to update so that when somebody wakes up on Thursday morning, there's a very, very good chance they have a new episode waiting for them. In addition, there are sometimes Sunday episodes for returning guests, and those usually get updated sometime late Sunday evening. So when you're looking for a new episode and you're wondering when it's coming out, that's probably when it's going to be. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.